August is going to be pretty, pretty fun, as you were talking about. A couple of 10 a.m. services. The first one, August 2nd. Anyone been to our Friends Day before? So good. So fun. This year, thank you for everyone who has given towards Friends Day and, and helped support Friends Day because of your gifts and contributions. We're able to do some pretty fun things this year. We're going to do a climbing wall and a water slide and snow cones and cotton candy and um, it, it should be a really good time. Since we're advertising it to the public, though, we're going to have to cross off the potluck side of things because we can't, uh, with food handler permits and those types of things, we can't bring in food that we've made. But it just means uh, if you want to buy something at Costco, Costco is legal. So go ahead and buy some Costco food. And then the other one, this is kind of blowing my mind what God is doing right now in our community. One, as you know, so many doors have opened up right now for us with the Seventh-day Adventist Church. In fact, I took a, a tour of the Seventh-day Adventist Academy up in Auburn this week. Uh, might be doing some teaching up there, which is crazy. Um, and then uh, with the Presbyterian Church, we, we used to rent on Monday and Tuesday nights at the Edge for some office space. And now we actually have a room uh, downstairs at Mission Woods, which is off Taylor Street, uh, 20, uh, 16th and Taylor Street. Uh, in Milton, and they have given us a room Monday through Friday, morning and night, uh, that we can have for offices. Um, actually, Dave Lloydhammer, who's in the back, built me an office there, uh, put up the walls, put up the doors uh, with help from a guy over there. And uh, right now, it, it's it's all pretty bare bones, um, but we, we are going to be remodeling that. And uh, we want you to see it, and Mission Woods wants you to see it. So August 9th, come over. We'll open up the doors. We'll let you go down there and see what we're doing. What we're trying to do, I think I talked about this about a year ago. We've had to put a delay on it since Adam bailed. But um, we, <laughs> Adam, if you're listening to this recording, I love you. And you're following the will of God in your life. So bless you. No, you can't. Um, but uh, LMI, Life Ministry Institute. We want to have Bible classes for you guys. We want you guys to be able to uh, take these Bible classes. It's actually going to be through Pacific Life Bible College down in San Dimas, California, where I'm getting my master's. And um, we want to be able to do that. And with this room, we're actually going to be able to start doing that. So I'm meeting with the uh, uh, dean of students uh, for LMI uh, in the next couple of weeks. And we're going to try to see if we can start. Uh, we'll try to start in... Uh, early 2016. So a lot of exciting things going on. Please come to both of those. Invite your friends to Friends Day, uh, family to Friends Day, and then come to the Presbyterian Church. We're going to have a mixed worship band, and then I'll be giving the message that day. And then Pastor Wendy over there, she's going to be doing some more of the liturgical stuff um, that, you know, I, I'm not quite as you know on top of. So um, brush up on your Lord's Prayer, I, I guess. And I think Pres- I grew up Presbyterian, and it's not trespasses in the Presbyterian Church. It's uh, debts. Uh, and debtors. Yeah. So so go on YouTube, practice that a little bit. But it should be a lot of fun. Well, today we're beginning a series that we're going to actually run through the rest of the summer. And it's really pretty simple. It's about what it means to be a Christian. What is a Christian? And I, I know we should know the answer to that, but it's a question that I ask all the time because there's so many things we do in religion that I wonder if it really is uh, what it means to be a Christian or not. I mean, what does a Christian look like? What does a Christian sound like? What does a Christian act like? Good question. And uh, I think it's an even better question to know the answer to. And part of the reason I felt I wanted to give this message today and to kick off this series is that I feel like Christianity is a little confused right now. God isn't confused. His plans aren't confused. But I think his followers are with the political climate, with the religious climate and everything that's going on in this world, 
it just feels like I've noticed that some people around me, believers, are kind of losing their balance a little bit. Kind of like, like you've, you've taken a shot. You, you, you've received a blow. And the circumstances have thrown you off a little bit. It's gotten you off balance. And, and i got to be honest, without shame or anything like that, I, I just want to be honest, I'm confused by that. Uh, when, when did we start having our foundation or our sense of stability be found in circumstances? Whether it's political circumstances or religious circumstances, any circumstances. Our, our faith is not based on circumstances. You, you can't find that in his word. In fact, God tells us, he instructs us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Pray or rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in when? when? Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In fact, go ahead and leave that verse up. I, I was reading this and I, I was just like, I don't think those words are unintentional, right? I don't think they're by accident. There's a totality in those words in this statement, right? If I put these words up here, rejoice always. We don't have to go to the Greek to know what always means. Pray continually. And then what's the last one? Thank the Lord in all circumstances. I don't know if I like that, Lord. (laughs) You're not giving me much wiggle room there. And I think he actually wants to remind us of that truth today. It's one of the reasons that we came together this last Wednesday and prayed. What a great time that was to come together as a church. We, we sat in a circle right there and we prayed and we lifted up the name of the Lord. And, and a lot of that is I wanted to give us an opportunity to get grounded again. You know what I'm talking about, right? Get grounded on the word of God. Find our bearings again. Go back to that cornerstone. See, church, we are Christians. We're Christians. We rejoice always. We pray continually. We give thanks to the Lord regardless of the circumstances. We are people of hope, people of life, people of faith. See, we are the people who have professed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We are the people who were guilty in our sins. We were in slavery to our sins, unable to approach God, to have a relationship with him because of our sins. But Jesus, he came in. He lived the perfect life. He gave up his life for us on the cross. He raised from the grave three days later. He paid the penalty for our sins. Now our sins, my sins, though I was an enemy with God, now my sins are forgiven. And because my sins are forgiven, covered, even removed, taken away by the blood of Jesus, I am now free. You are now free. And we have the freedom even to have a relationship with God. As 2 Corinthians 5.18 tells us, we are now reconciled back to God through Jesus Christ. We have a relationship with him that will go on and on and on and on and on and on forever and forever. We are Christians. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the good news of being his follower. And it's not based on how things are going in this world. Now, now I wouldn't deny that we're living in an intense season. But for 2,000 years, Christians have been Christians in the midst of very intense seasons. Life is hard, and then it gets harder. Even in the midst of supernatural joy, freedom, and the life that God gives us, on this earth, you're going to face some difficult situations. Greg Reich, as he came in and preached this last Sunday, he even said... That once you start following Jesus, it can get harder. You remember when he said that? Because now you can face trials and opposition and 
even in some places, persecution. But see, when life gets hard, when people come against you, when things don't go your way, that's not when we put our hands up and go, oh, well, I guess, you know, all's lost. Hopeless. Despair. Might as well give up. No. That's not who we are. Not a chance. We follow Jesus. We're Christians. We press on. We fight the good fight of faith. We endure. We persevere. Take heart. Take courage. Find your strength in the word of God. I know some of you are feeling weak. And we all feel that way at times. Don't, don't be ashamed of that. You're a human being. But in your weakness, run to Scripture. Run to the Lord in your time of need. Jesus promises that in this world we're going to have trouble. But that's not the end of that phrase, is it? He says, but take heart, for I have, what? I have overcome the world. James tells us that we're going to face trials of many kinds. But what does he say in that passage of Scripture? Listen to this. This is right at the beginning of what James tells us in his letter. <clears throat> Sometimes I don't like this, but here it is. Count it all joy. All? <laughs> right? I, I, I wrestle with Scripture in that. But all? Yeah. Daniel Allen Burst. Count it all joy, Dan, when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. I don't know. I don't know, Lord. No, Dan, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. But Lord, you don't know what I, you don't think I know what you're going through? Dan, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, meaning that you are resolutely firm. You are unwavering. It produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be. This is mind blowing that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The Apostle Paul says, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering, it produces what? And per- perseverance produces what? In character, what? Mm, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Don't be surprised when life doesn't go the way you want it to go. There's going to be some pain in this life. Just ask the early Christians, right? They knew pain. If you've done your Eastern European history class, you remember the Emperor Nero. He puts out the decree, if anyone confesses that he is a Christian, he shall be put to death without further trial as a convicted enemy of mankind. The Roman historian Tacitus, he was actually a Roman senator as well. He writes this about the Christians. He says, the taking of their lives was accompanied with much mockery. They were covered with the skins of wild beasts. They were torn to pieces by dogs or nailed on crosses or placed at stakes and burned, serving also as torches for the spectators. When the day was over. We could go on. 2,000 years later, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You guys know Dietrich Bonhoeffer, right? Famous pastor in Germany. Opposed the Nazi regime. He actually was executed three weeks, I think it was, before uh, Hitler committed suicide. But this is what he writes. Again, I don't know if I like this. 
But here it is. He says, to endure the cross is not tragedy. It is the suffering which is the fruit of an exclusive allegiance to Jesus Christ. This mighty man of God, he's saying you must endure the cross. He's telling us that the fruit of serving Christ is suffering. It's taking up your cross. And we see modern day's example, modern day examples of this happening right now over all, all, all over the world. But Jesus tells us this in his word. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, well, what? They'll lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Isn't that beautiful? To find the life in Jesus. We got to let go. We got to let go. Mary and I, we heard of, about a tremendous tragedy that happened to our friend about a month ago, late May. His name was <clears throat> Terry Canfield. He was my tennis partner over there. He, he and, a, and his daughter, they were both on my drama team over at Life Center North. Really talented uh, actors. <clears throat> he uh, actually worked with my wife for the same ambulance company in Newport, Washington. He was a 28-year veteran of the Spokane Fire Department. But on May 27th, his son-in-law, who was in the middle of a divorce with Terry's stepdaughter and who suffered with PTSD from his time in the military, he came in and he shot and killed Terry. He shot and killed Terry's wife and strangled her. And he shot and killed his wife's son, so Terry's stepson. And then uh, Terry's son-in-law burned the house down. And Terry was a really good man. He was funny, big smile, big personality, and he loved Jesus. And what happened to him, it's awful. It's terrible. It's a tragedy. It is evil. But church, we're Christians. We're Christians. We have a hope in Christ that is not based on circumstances. See, that horrific act that happened to Terry, it didn't take Terry even one inch from the presence of God. It didn't separate him from the love of God or the relationship that he has with God. Terry was able to stand upon the promises of God. Remember what Paul writes? He says, to be absent in the body is what? To be present with Christ. To be present with the Lord. The circumstances did not shake his footing on the firm foundation that he had in Jesus Christ. He is a Christian. He is now with the Lord forever. Forever. So I want to encourage you. I believe the Lord would want to encourage you. There's so much in this world, so much pain, so much heartache. But don't let the heartache and the trials and even the suffering throw, throw you off course. You set your eyes on the prize. You finish the race that God has called you in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, again, that doesn't mean circumstances won't affect you. When Terry was shot, I think it was five times in that work shed, I, I'm sure he was scared, right? Who wouldn't be? When the stock market drops, I remember talking to an older couple and they'd lost 40% of their retirement. That can cause you to worry. When your kids decide to rebel and they curse you and they curse God, if you've been a parent, that can cause you anxiety. But in those times, we know we're not helpless and we are not without hope. We are Christians. We're Christians. We call on the Lord to help us. We call on the Lord to be with us. We call the Lord, Jesus, be who you say you're going to be. Scripture speaks so powerfully well in the midst of circumstances. When you're scared, when you're worried about the future, remember Matthew 6. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. It's not like more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. 
They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying, I love this, it's like he's speaking to me. Dan, can you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? That's funny, I'm talking about my shirt today. (laughs) Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, they run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But you, you seek first his kingdom, and you seek his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And maybe you're anxious. There's a lot of anxious people in my life. And, and maybe, maybe what I see is just where you can't get, you want to not be anxious, right? But you can't get your mind to stop from going to that place of anxiety and unrest and unsettledness. And I would say Philippians 4, 6, 7. If you've never memorized a piece of scripture before, write this down. Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Memorize this scripture. It's such a comfort for anyone who's struggling with anxiety because he says, don't be anxious about anything. Cool, you know, whatever. But he goes on. This is so rich. He says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And that would be great if that was just it. But it goes on. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present those requests to God. And the peace of God, don't you want peace? The peace of God which transcends all of your understanding, all of your comprehension, all that you could figure out. A peace of God which it goes way beyond your understanding. It will guard your hearts. Lord, guard our hearts. It will guard our minds. Lord, guard our minds. In Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. First Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him. Because you know what? He cares for you. A dear member of our church, Lisa, she had a brain aneurysm over a week ago. She's been in the hospital ever since. And I visited her this week. And her daughter wanted a pastor to visit. Because it looked like Lisa was worried and she had some anxiety. When I visited, she really couldn't move, couldn't really talk. It was kind of mumbled a little. You know, her brain's trying to recover all the, the bleeding in the brain. And as we stood around her bed, we all prayed that her brain would heal. And as her boyfriend said, Lisa, we want you to come back to us. And as I stroked her head, you know, and held her hands... I read Psalm 23 over her. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely, Lord, I trust in you, Lord, that your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. And when I was done, she had been breathing kind of fast. And then I was done, she just took this big... And then she goes, Amen. 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 She said Amen three times. She's a Christian. She's a Christian. You're a Christian. I'm a Christian. You can do this. You can do this. By the power of the Holy Spirit residing within you, you can do this. You can face the day in victory. Full of the Lord in victory. I want to encourage you this morning. Run to him. Run to his word. Live by the Holy Spirit. You can do this. You can live the Christian life. One of my favorite verses, it's probably my life verse, is 2 Peter 1. Three. I had read it my whole life and then I read it a couple of years ago and I'm like, are you kidding me? That is in the Bible. And if it's true, if, that, if the Lord put that in there, and if it's true, then I'm living that way. Because it says by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Are you sure, God? <laughs> I mean, right, are you sure? I've been living my whole life in inadequacy. Like, oh, I don't have this. I don't have that. Wish I had that. Wish I had that. And then that verse just popped my eyes open that I can go into every situation without fear and anxiety or worry because I have everything I need by the power of God to live a godly life. I am not lacking my toolbox is full. I have dangers for the kingdom of God. Even if I'm before rulers and authorities, the Holy Spirit will teach me what to say. Everything I need. Everything I need. No circumstance, no trial, no hardship. It's going to take that away from me. I have today everything I need to live for him. Now, let's be honest, it's much easier to say, much harder to actually believe or to do. But I would never tell you it's easy to walk out the Christian life. But even though it's not easy, the question is, and we all have to answer this question. Do you believe that by the power of God, you have everything you need to live for him today? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying, you know, it isn't hard. But do you believe? I think that's something every believer has to come to grips with. Do I believe that I have everything I need today? Think about that. It changes the way you live your life. How you go about your day. Again, not easy. That's the truth of the Christian life. You know, I have some life mottos. Some of them come as a response from walking with the Lord the past 30 years. Being raised by my parents, also being a pastor for the last 11 years and just hanging around people. Uh, There's some life mottos that have risen up out of that. A couple of them are this. And you've heard them all before. One, do hard things. Two, no pity parties. And three, no excuses. Do hard things. No pity parties. No excuses. Because as I look at those disciples, as I look at the early apostles, when we look at missionaries and evangelists, when we just look at everyday people who are shining the light of Christ, I see people who are willing to step it up, to be poured out for the cause of Christ, to do what is hard. Where they could have pity on themselves, where they could find excuses not to do what God has called them to do. But they face the challenges of life full of the power of God. I was thinking about this this past week. We are standing, you and I, we are standing on the legacy of incredible men and women who followed hard after Jesus, who were willing to make incredible sacrifices for him. I've shown this picture before, but this is a picture of a church uh, where my great-great-grandfather, hold, keep that one up for a second, 
My great-great-grandfather was the founding pastor of the church. And you can see there's not a lot of houses around this. <laughs> Just a lot of wheat fields. You can go to the next picture. This, this one's kind of cool. I like the way he did that. But again, you, you can kind of see a lot of open space. <laughs> 1884. Five years before Washington became a state. Out by the little town of Davenport. The longest running church in the state of Washington. If you go out there, good luck finding it. But if you find it, the doors are unlocked. And you can go in there and you can check it out. Inside in the sanctuary, they have pictures of my family on the walls. So you're going to see my great-great-grandfather when he was the minister and his family. You're going to see my great-grandfather and his wife and all their kids. So that means you're going to see my grandpa. And then there's a cemetery there where all my relatives are buried out at this little church out in the middle of wheat fields. Pretty cool, right? But when you walk in that graveyard, one thing you notice when you look at the tombstones, people didn't live a long time back then. Not many of them lived a long time. Life was hard. Living was hard. But boy, did they have a faith in Jesus. They put their trust in Jesus, knowing that he was their all in all. My great-great-grandmother, she was born in Germany, moved to Wisconsin, then to Minnesota, and then on to a homestead in the middle of nowhere out west. But this is what was written about her last weeks of life on the earth, and I love this. It says, in the last weeks, she busied herself in the Lord's work. Come on. Way to go, great-great-grandma. In the last week, she busied herself in the Lord's work. She yearned for release. Her hearing was bad. So in silence, she busied herself with the word of God. I love that. And on her tombstone, it writes, there is no partings in heaven. As you read about the early settlers or the Oregon Trail or any pioneering story, even the pilgrims coming over on the ships, these are stories of tremendous sacrifice, but they were following hard after the Lord. They were committed to following his call on their lives at that cemetery. One of the graves there is my aunt Wanda. I've told this story before, but she died at the age of seven. The obituary writes this. Wanda Joy, seven years old, daughter of Mr. and Mrs. C.H. Birch of Rock, Birch of Rockland. So that, those are my grandparents. She died at Bridgeport, Washington, where the father, my grandfather, was holding revival meetings on Tuesday, April 19th at 2.30 p.m. So my aunt Wanda died at the age of seven while my grandfather was doing this in a tent meeting, in a revival service, his little baby girl died of tuberculosis and a leaky heart. It's hard. It's hard. When I think about the generations that have gone before me, they followed hard after the Lord. And it kind of when you start thinking about that, you stand here and you realize I am not a self-made man. Right? Not a chance. Not a chance. I am standing on the shoulders of men and women of faith who stood for the Lord, who served the Lord with everything they have. They did hard things. No pity party. No excuses. Don't you want to be that kind of person? Like, even if we didn't see any kind of great, you know, whatever we think would be great. But we stood True and firm and, and just continue to trust the Lord, have faith and have generations after us. Two, three, four generations later, we'd be standing upon the faith 
of LifeSpring Church. You know how rich that is to me? How satisfying that is to me that if someone, a generation, two generations down, puts their hope in Jesus Christ and says, Jesus, you're my Lord and my Savior. If it was because of anything that you and I did on this little hill in Edgewood. Oh, isn't that beautiful? A legacy of faith. And yet, I see a scary shift happening in the American church right now. There's a growing lack of commitment. Especially commitment to anything that might be difficult or challenging. I see this again and again. Where there's the stirring of the hearts of people toward God. And that's exciting, right? When you see people's hearts stirred towards God, it's like, oh man, you know, we're, we're going for it, right? And when someone's heart is stirred, they'll do anything for God, right? I mean, just wow. Like just, they are ready to do something amazing for the Lord. But then I, I think this is one area where Satan really is having his way right now. After the initial excitement, there seems to be a lack of follow through on the commitments that people make. Because again, let's be honest, being a servant... Like Jesus has called us to be, to serve others, it's hard work. And we've got to realize that when we are working in God's kingdom, inspiration always leads to perspiration. Right? Inspiration or being inspired, it leads to work. It leads to rolling up your sleeves and getting to work. Now, we like the inspiration part, right? That feels good. That's pretty neat. We don't always like the perspiration part. But it's hard work. By the way, it's also often silent work. You're probably not going to get publicly recognized. You're not going to get many pat on the backs. No financial comp- uh, compensation. No newspaper articles written about you. No plaques. No fame. It's probably not going to be fair. You're going to be mistreated. You're even going to be taken for granted. But ask yourself the question, are you working for man or are you working for God? Are you living for the approval of man or all to the glory of God? If God has called you something or called you to something, then you do it. If you've committed to do it, you do it. If he's inspired you, stirred your heart to do something, you follow through with it. Even if it goes unnoticed, even if it goes unrecognized, you follow through. Now, there's dozens of examples of this in this room right now. It's one of the reasons I love being at this church. I, I love LifeSpring. I'm continually amazed by so many of you. But one of my favorites, and I like to talk about him because he doesn't like me to talk about him, is Kent Ross. You guys know Kent. He's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, if I'm honest, I don't even know half the things he does at this church. I don't. He, I call him a silent warrior. Isn't that beautiful? Just a, a silent warrior. Most of what he does, I don't even notice. But last Saturday night... I see him with Marcy and Ray Mayer, another wonderful couple, and Rachel and Emily. They're at the fireworks stand over in the Walgreens parking lot until almost one in the morning, putting away fireworks from the fireworks stand. So they're putting the fireworks back in the boxes. And it was for the fireworks, and it was great. We raised a bunch of money for youth camp, but it was for youth. It was for youth. By the way, he doesn't have any youth in the youth program. And yet there he is, late. Early into Saturday, or I guess early Sunday morning, right? Almost 1 a.m. Knowing that he was going to have to be here at 6 a.m. Sunday morning. Because he was going to have to be here even earlier than normal to set up for church. Because he had to go back to the tent and do some more work at the fireworks stand on Sunday. Incredible. And then I get this email from Jeremy. And he's saying, the door is busted. Uh, 
on the men's bathroom, but don't worry, uh, Kent's taking care of it. We rent this place. Kent, I didn't know if you knew that. Like, we have landlords that can do those types of things. No, I, I got it, bought it, going to install it. And then I'm sitting down with him this week, and I had a chat with him. And it's a rare to get a chat with Kent face-to-face, because Kent hates meetings. But somehow I tricked him over to Mission Woods, and I'm, I'm cornering him, and we're talking. And then he starts telling me that during the summer, every Tuesday and Thursday, he is traveling to South Hill Puyallup to mentor two young men, and he's preparing them to enter the workforce. He's giving them job training. Are you kidding me? It just goes on and on and on with Kent. And there's others of you. Kent's not the only one. There's others of you that I could say the same thing about. But here's my favorite thing about Kent. I haven't told this story before, but I just love this. That Kent doesn't do the things he does at the church for me. And this is so much of what it means to be a Christian. He doesn't work for me. He does what he does as part of his obedience to the Lord's call in his life. See, when I took over as senior pastor three years ago, I, I met with all of my leaders. And every one of them individually sat down with them. And, and Pastor Chad was moving on. And so I told them, you know, with his transition, if it was time for them to move on to another church, find rest and recovery, you know, those types of things, that they were released to do that. I love you. And go be released. Be restored. And I remember Kent telling me, like, it was something like, you know, I didn't do this for Pastor Chad. And I'm not doing it for you. This is my community. This is where I live. This is my church. And I'm doing it for God. Amen. Amen. But here's the thing we do in churches. This is, again, a funny thing we do in churches. The person that is actually being obedient to God and what he is calling them to do. We're like, hey, well, can you just tone it down a notch? I mean, like, it was just a little crazy. Like, just... Can you please come back to the land of mediocrity and being comfortable? Because, like, this whole following Jesus thing, like, is just making me nervous. Can, can you just please come back to the boring, sleepwalking, lukewarm kind of Christianity? That would make me feel a lot better. You're just making me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Where if you want a church to really come alive, you would challenge everyone to be obedient to answering God's call in their life. To rise up to the service that he's called them to, to the love that he's called them to, to the compassion and the obedience. And then instead of three or four people at that firework stand, you got 10, 15 people at that firework stand. We're saying, hey, Kent, we got enough people. You go home, baby, because you're waking up early in the morning. That's exciting. The other is miserable. But life, life, when everyone is obeying the Lord, I'm not saying do it just to do it. I'm saying answer the call of God. If God is stirring you to do something, you do it. I don't care how hard it is, do it. People are always telling me, like, well, you got to be careful with this person or this person. I say, hey, if God called them to do it, I'm not going to get in the way of that. You do it. If it's hard, then it's hard. Welcome to this world. But if God has called you to do it, you do it. And I'll pray for you, and I'll encourage you. And if you need money, I'll try to give you money. But if God has called you to do something hard, then you do it. I think, I, I think about the care team of this. Uh, so many people in our church with needs and and just needing the love of God. And one of the passions that has risen up within us over the last couple of years is we want to start meeting some of those needs. Those needs, and we want to help them as much as possible. So we have this care team, and I love the care team. We work on visiting people that are hurting or sick. If you need a lawn mowed, we mow it. Bushes trimmed, help moving. We're like the life spring professional movers. It's awesome. Or maybe you've had a surgery and you're in recovery and you need some meals, and we do that. Great ministry, very busy ministry. And every couple of weeks, 
or every couple of months, probably every one or two months, I'll have a conversation with someone who is actually frustrated in our response to their needs. Right. No one visited me from the church. No one from the church contacted me. No one from the church helped me. And when someone says the church, I, I always ask the question, what do you mean? You know, do, you, do you mean me or do you mean Pastor Randy or do you mean the care team or do you mean the person next to you? Like, that's a good question to ask. What do you mean by the church? Because currently we have five to ten people on our care team trying to meet all of the needs of the church. There's, I can guarantee you, I can bet money on it, that there are a few people who have fallen through the cracks. And I don't like that. That doesn't feel good at all. And I can tell you the head of our care team, she hates that. Doesn't like it at all. Now, what if instead of five people trying to move, mow, clean, visit, everything else, we had 40 people or 50 people or 60, 100 people on that care team list? And we met the needs of those in our community, just like you see in the Bible, in the book of Acts. Remember that? But here's the deal. Putting your name on that care team list, it's a commitment. Don't put your name on that list if you're not ready to commit. Again, do not put your name on the list if you're not willing to do a commitment because it's a commitment to doing hard things. You will end up doing something for someone that you probably do not have time for. It will not be convenient. (laughs) And by the way, you're probably not going to get any recognition for it on this side of heaven. Right? We're busy people. We don't have time for it. But if God has called you to be a part of it, then you faithfully obey him. You answer that call. You believe that he will give you what you need. You believe that he will give you the strength that you need to do what he's called you to do because you are a Christian and you walk the Christian life. Now, again, don't just do it to do it. That's something different. That's just trying to get into heaven by a bunch of works. No, but if the Lord has called you to it, if the Lord stirs your heart to do it, you better do it. Jesus, he says, if you love me, then you will obey my commands. And if he's calling you to serve, obediently enter that command. And, and Second Peter 1, 3, and remember that by his divine, divine power, God has given us what? He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. Shameless plug, if you want to be on our care team, just give us your name and number on a piece of paper, hand it to an usher on the way out. And Cindy Ferris, our care team director, will call you gladly. So do hard things. Radically obey the Lord and all that he's calling you to do. Radically obey the Lord and all he's calling you to do. And for those of you that are doing this, isn't it great? Isn't it awesome? Isn't the Christian life awesome? I mean, you wake up sore once in a while, but it's awesome because when you're a Christian, you actually are weak sometimes, which means that Christ has to be strong. Isn't that awesome that you actually have to depend on someone other than yourself to do what he has called you to do? Isn't that awesome that the things that you do are actually impossible, but by the supernatural power of God, he can make it possible? Isn't that Awesome. I love living the Christian life. There's nothing as satisfying, rich, and full as living for the Lord. Nothing like it. What a joy. What a joy to be adopted in this family. Sometimes I just shake my head in disbelief when I think about what the Lord has done for me. Because I didn't deserve it. There's nothing I did to earn it. Did you know, I don't know if you do this, that I am a son of the Most High. 
<laughs> Are you kidding me? I am a king kid, right? I, I am a son. You are a daughter. Isn't that, I mean, does it just ever just blow your mind? That we're clean. We're forgiven. We're free. We're holy. We're righteous. All by the blood of the Lamb. It's the good news. And with this good news, we want to be known to the world around us as people who have been changed by the good news. See, we want to be people who have been changed by Jesus. That we'd be people of character, people of honesty and, and credibility, where we're the ones who actually do what we say we're going to do. And then when we make mistakes or when we sin, which we all do, we're going to be the first to ask for forgiveness. When we miss the mark, we're going to be the first to repent. And we're also going to do everything we can to make it right. We are a people who are willing to do hard things. We are a people who fulfills our commitments, even when we really, in our flesh, do not want to. I want to read some scriptures to encourage you in this area this morning. Again, this is who you are. If you're a Christian this morning, this is for you. This is a truth you can grab on to. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, brother and sister in Christ, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And here's a verse. This verse has never been truer than today. Man, we need to hear this verse. Philippians 2.14.15. Daniel Allen verse, do all things. It's not my mother's talking. Do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. I want to read it again. Do, do all things. Oh, are you sure? All, yeah. All, man, he uses a lot of alls and every and man. Just no room. <laughs> Do all things without grumbling and questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. It's beautiful. Scripture is beautiful. But even as you hear all of this today, you might be thinking, I get what you're saying, Pastor Dan, but there's no way I can do that. Right? I mean, this, this is impossible. When I look at my life, Dan, you don't know the circumstances of my life. You don't know what I'm going through. And, and I don't. And to be honest, when you look at your life, when you look at your circumstances, you probably can't do it. You're right. It is impossible. On your own, the Christian life will always be impossible. But the Lord wants you to know that you're not alone. You're not on your own. You have the supernatural power of God residing within you. You're not alone. And, and by the way, you were never meant to try to do this whole thing on your own. You're not supposed to try to muscle it up and have enough willpower to be a good Christian. It's all about Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? Philippians 4.13 tells us, I can do all things. Through who? Yeah, through him. No, I can do all things through me. Who? No, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Here's something for you. I think you might need to hear this. That he's here to help you, resource you, give you what you need. Ephesians 6. I could just read the whole chapter, but I'm just, I don't have time for that. Ephesians 6, 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Armor of God. So it's not your armor. It's not the armor that you've made. It's the armor of God. Supernatural, powerful, effective armor. So that when the day of evil comes, and some of you are saying, oh man, that day has come, right? And that day has come with force. 
Well, put on that armor of God so that you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. I think some of you need to hear that today. See, you're exhausted. Life is hitting you from every side. Like a boxer in the 11th round, you've been taking some serious punches. But I'm here to tell you that by the power of God residing within you, you're not going down. You're going to stand. Satan might think that he has defeated you, but you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And if you seek the Lord, you can be fitted perfectly with the armor of God. Could you just see that vision for your life? That as you wake up every morning, you are fitted perfectly with the armor of God. Full armor of God. And with the armor of God on you perfectly, you can stand. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. As a Christian, this is what you're going to do. You are going to take your stand. You are going to 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 stand. There's not going to be one inch of territory that the enemy is going to take away from you because you are going to stand. Not in your own strength, but by the power of God within you has given you everything to live a godly life. You are going to stand. Fitted perfectly with the armor of God, you are standing. The enemy is not taking any ground in your life, in your family, in your workplace. You are going to stand on the promises of God. You are a Christian. I pray this over every one of us in this room, that this summer, as we read the news, as we listen about what's going on, that we will not give in. We will not back down. We're not going to cower in fear. We're not going to Run away in anxiety and worry. We are going to step it up. We're going to put on the armor of God. We're going to dive into his word, speak in his spirit and stand. I want to encourage you, if you have a prayer language every morning, speak in your prayer language. Exercise that gift when you wake up in the morning, when you're in the car, when you're in a house, when you're in a meeting, when you're going to the gym, going to work. Speak to the Lord. Take your stand on the word of God. Build that foundation. Some of our foundations are kind of weak. Well, guess what? Today's a new day. Rejoice that the day is the day that the Lord has made. And you can today begin to build that foundation again. A secure, unshakable, unmovable foundation that is the rock, Jesus Christ. And you can love God and you can love others. You can be a Christian and you can do this. And I started this morning with the idea, what does it mean to be a Christian? Or the, or the question of what does it look like to be a Christian? And the Lord, he just won't leave me be on this whole thing. He keeps on talking to me. And the Lord's speaking a lot. And I, I felt like I, he's leading me to walk us through this this summer and, and answer this question from his word. Specifically, we're going to spend a lot of time in Galatians, in Galatians chapter 5. And we're calling this series being Sun Ripened. S-O-N. Sun Ripened. And, and we'll go into more detail in this in the coming weeks. But see, at the most basic level, a Christian is one who professes Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But that's not the end of it. See, once we begin to follow Jesus, you're actually changed. That's, that's the thing that drives me nuts is how many of us can be Christians for 10, 20, 30 years in the church following the Lord. And yet we're the same as we were when we said yes to Jesus. That is not what it means to be sun ripened. That's not what it means to walk by the spirit. That's not what it means to have the Holy Spirit in you living through you. We're going to look at the fruit of the spirit. You when you live the Christian life, you are living a life that is transformed by the Holy Spirit. You are living a life that you even can have the expectation that how you came in this morning, that you can actually be changed. Did you know that? Sometimes we walk such a depressing road of despair and hopelessness, but you are not one without hope or without life. You have the Holy Spirit within you, transforming you, conforming you to the image of Christ. Every day you should look more like Jesus Christ. If you were gone for a year and you came back and we hung out and we went to Denny's like we do every Thursday morning at 630 and we eat the value menu, and which is awesome and really unhealthy. But if you came back a year later and we met, you just say, Dan, there's just something different about you. Like, 
You're like more loving. Like there's a peace about you. Like a patience and a kindness. Man, there's like a goodness about you. A faithfulness. There's a gentleness about you. There, there used to be that, you know, thing where you just explode on me, but you're more gentle. There's self-control where you were just, you know, hit that button on your pastor Dan, you just, woo. But now there's a self-control. What is it? And like, that's because Jesus is working on me. And you know what? He's been working on me, and I've actually had to go through some really hard things. This last year's been really hard. I've been going through some seasons that have been really tough. Like, just tough stuff. Like, I wouldn't want to wish this on anybody. But the Lord has carried me through that. And I've had endurance and perseverance. And it's produced character and it's produced hope. And I got this thing now that no one can take away from me. You know, I mean, it sucked. I mean, it was hard. But no one can take away what the Lord has done in my life in that hard time, in that hard season. I've done things and I've stayed steadfast and faithful to the Lord. And even in my mistakes, even in my failures, as I repent and turn to the Lord and ask for forgiveness, he's been faithful to respond to me. And it's good. See, that armor, it's looking pretty good these days. Wouldn't that be beautiful if a year from now we were able to have that conversation if you were gone for a year? And then I would say, Sean, you're looking a little different. Does that give anybody else goosebumps? You're looking a little different. And you can say, yeah, it was, it was a hard year. That I realized life is harder than life gets harder. But you know, God is so good. God's been faithful in my life. God's never left me. He's never forsaken me. never abandoned me. He's been with me. He's walking with me. He's teaching me. He's taught me more in this last year than I could ever imagine. Like, do we have that mentality as Christians? Or is it, you know, there was a day back in 1982. Oh, wow, what a day. Or Seriously, you know, there was this day. July 12th, 2015, when I was at church and the Lord spoke to me. And then the next day I woke up and I hate Mondays, but the Lord knows I hate Mondays. So he spoke to me and said, hey, you can do this. Get up. You can do this. By my power and my strength, you can do this. Get up. Face this day. Stand your ground. And then Tuesday came along and the Spirit of God said, you can do this. You can do all things through me who gives you strength. Get up. Make it happen. But my body hurts. My body's failing. No, I got you. In your weakness, I am made perfect. My strength is made perfect. My grace is sufficient for you. Do hard things. No pity parties. No excuses. I'm not saying you're not going to be, you're not going to do things wrong. I mean, we screw up all the time. But don't miss out on all that God has for you because you're still holding on to things from the past. Still just deflecting, right? Just putting your stuff onto other people and onto God and, and people that aren't even in your life now. Some of you, you're still held gripped by people who have died, who have gone on. And yet there's still anxiety and fear and slavery in those areas. Let there be freedom this morning. Freedom. And I know you're scared. I know people have taken advantage of you. I know you've been treated wrong. I know that in so many ways this life isn't fair. But God knows that as well. Look at what happened to his son. That he will help you. He will help you. And there is a reward. We don't talk a lot about this. But there is a reward. A great reward. There's a great reward. Endure. Set your eyes on the prize. Finish the race. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I just, my heart breaks for so many brothers and sisters that I know who are lost, who are hurting, Lord. And I just pray that Right now, you would speak your freedom over their lives. Unforgiveness and bitterness 
is such a, just a trap, Lord. It's one of Satan's biggest tools that he uses to keep us in bondage. And I just pray that that would be broken right now in the mighty name of Jesus. That we'd be free to radically obey you, Lord. Free to radically follow your will in our lives. For those things, Lord, that continue to stop us. And I, I feel like there's some people in here and you're saying, but Dan, I've tried. And every time I try to follow the Lord, I feel like I get attacked. And I feel like the Lord would say, yes. <laughs> and keep on keeping on. If you're struggling, keep struggling. If you feel like you're in a fight, keep fighting. Don't give up. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. The impossible is made possible. Where there seemed to be no way, there is now a way. Do not give up. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You press on. You press on. You do. You do. Press on. And, I, and even now, I feel like some of you are like, but I am so alone. No one is on my side. I have been abandoned. No one understands me. No one feels my hurt and my pain. No one can sympathize with me. And again, I'm not going to be Pollyanna this morning. That might be true. But the Lord says today, you are not alone. He is with you. The Lord, thank you, God. You speak that over us today. We are not alone. Glory to you, God, that you say, I am with you. I am with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, as we pray, I just pray over anyone that is already ready for a depressing, awful Monday. That you just let that fall right now in the mighty name of Jesus. The joy would rise up, Lord. And that you've called them to hard things, not just so that they can be miserable, but because you thought they could do it <laughs> by your spirit that they could do it. You thought us worthy enough to be able to be partners, <laughs> to be able to be a part of this whole thing that you're doing on this earth. Thank you, Jesus. Give them your strength in your wonderful name, I pray. Amen.